at all familiar with Isaiah 61. <laughs> I don't know why I picked that one. No idea at all. No idea at all. I might just um, heighten myself just a little here so I can see you a fraction better. There we go. So Isaiah chapter 61, for those of you who are here for the first time, the name I-61 comes from Isaiah 61. And even before a particular prophetic event happened for for Deb and I, um, this scripture is something that's kind of been burned in us ever since our our very young early days of ministry. It's repeated in the the early part of Isaiah 61 is repeated in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus reads from the scroll in the temple and then says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what Jesus was saying there is this scripture is my ministry. This is what I am here to do. And um, this embodies the heart of everything that we are about. So let me read it, or at least some of it. So Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They'll rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They'll renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Now, the next verse, because I could really go on here and then probably go into 62 and 63. And, um, but um, the next verse, for I, the Lord, love justice. And to, what does justice look like? It looks like all of those things we've just read happening. Now, as I said, these are the verses that Jesus quoted when he read the scroll in the temple at the beginning of his ministry. And he's saying, this is what I am here to do. And there's five groups of people that he talks to or that he talks about. There's the poor, there's the brokenhearted, there's prisoners, there's captives, there's mourners. Do you get that? Poor, brokenhearted, prisoners, captives, mourning, mourners. So the poor... Now, when it says, I come to, to proclaim good news to the poor, I want to suggest that any, any gospel that isn't in some way good news to the poor isn't a gospel. Do I, do I need to say that again? I didn't quite. <laughs> any gospel that isn't good news to the poor isn't a gospel. Now, who are the poor? Obviously, the poor are those who are without stuff. Obviously, there is a lack, but I think the thing that really um, epitomizes poverty is powerlessness. Powerlessness. They're absolutely stuck. They feel like they have no options, no, no way out. And one of the things that we can see right through the prophets, we see it right through the ministry of Jesus, we see it right through the New Testament, is that the heart of God is very close to the poor. 
Psalm 140 verse 12, what does it say, Frosty? <laughs> How did I know you were going to heckle? It's on the bottom of every email he sends. And what does it say? Absolutely. For the Lord executes justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. That's his heart. So some of what we're doing, we're looking at with the Transformation Center is about that. Um, some of the ways that we are going to be supporting Steve and, and his ministry are about that. But I just want to make sure that, you know, in our beautiful middle class, you know, and even if you think that you're not doing that well right now compared to world standards, you're doing flipping amazing, so chill out. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> you really are. Like, we are in the top kind of 2% um, in this country, let alone in this suburb. Um, we're doing quite fine. Not minimizing real struggles people are having. I get that. But let's just put it in perspective. But the heart of God is very much for those who are powerless, those who don't have options, that we come into their world and all of a sudden bring them options. That's the poor. I have much more to say about this, but I, you cannot bear it now and neither can our schedule because we have kids in kids' church. So let me keep going. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That word brokenhearted literally means fractured or splintered as a result of a, a dull impact. So it's literally, you, it's like you've been hit by a freight train and broken into pieces. And binding up the brokenhearted is about bringing those broken pieces, pulling them all together and making you whole again. That is central to the ministry of Jesus and that is why it's central to our heart. Everything we talk about in the Transformation Center, everything we talked about with Elijah House, everything um, that we so often go after is about that thing where you're experiencing brokenness. When the spirit of Jesus is working in you, he is working to make you whole again. And as he heals us, he makes us healers of others. I'm going to jump ahead a little. and I've, you, you've, Many of you have probably heard me say this many times. Where we see, um, actually, it's not that far ahead. It's verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And it's almost like that's, there's the good mood and the bad mood. <laughs> you, the favorable year of the Lord, he's happy. Day of vengeance of our God, he's cranky. I can probably do a better cranky face than that, but let's go with that. Um, what is the day of vengeance of our God? Now, the first thing we have to understand is the, day of ven the vengeance is not against you. You are not a target for his vengeance. Anything empowered by the enemy trying to bring you down is a target for his vengeance. And ultimately to me, vengeance is complete when our captivity is turned into a ministry. When we get healing in the areas where we've been broken and then God uses us to heal other people in those very same areas and ultimately the enemy wishes he'd never touched us in that area because now we have not only insight and understanding of how to set people free, but we have authority because we've broken it through ourselves. That's kind of good news. Just... just just a little bit. We talked last week about 
strongholds, fortified cities, areas where we're not experiencing the presence of God, the joy of the Lord, the voice of God. We're not experiencing the kind of kingdom results we want. And the day of vengeance of our God is coming after that stuff. It's not coming after you. It's coming after the stuff that's holding you back. Because that's justice. See, the cross demands justice. The cross demands that those strongholds come down. Again, I have much more to say about that, but you cannot bear it now. So, let me jump back. So we talked about, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to, to, to make the brokenhearted whole again, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, captives are those who are trapped because of what someone else did. Prisoners are those who are trapped because of what they did, because of their own bad choices. No matter what, he's come to set you free. That's the good news. He, he doesn't, the only thing he distinguishes is freedom and release. Really, they're synonyms. He's come to do that regardless of whether you're here because you did it and you did something dumb or made a bad choice or you know, operated out of your brokenness and it didn't go so well. Um, or whether it's because somebody overpowered you and did something to you that, that took you into captivity, he's coming to set you free. He's not distinguishing. Yeah, he's not the one that sits there and goes, well, you got yourself into this mess. <laughs> you better get yourself out. Good luck with that. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> he, wa- he, he wants to partner with you every step of the way to bring you into freedom. That's his heart. So, the poor, the brokenhearted, captives, prisoners, and then mourners. Those for whom life has dealt some really difficult stuff, and you're not through it yet. And all of us, again, if you've been alive longer than 20 minutes, all of us have that. But look at what he wants to do for those who grieve in Zion. Verse 3. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. And that, that picture of ashes is something that in days way gone by when they were mourning, they literally would cover themselves in ashes as a sign of their mourning. And it, it's not the most attractive makeup, let's say. You know, it's not the kind of thing, go, hey, awesome, ashes, where did you get those? I need to get me some of that. It's, it's not that. It's, it's, it's gritty, it's dirty, and it, it's a sign that things have not gone well. And he said he wants to replace the ashes with a crown of beauty. Oil of joy instead of mourning. And oil, to me, is a very obvious reference to the Holy Spirit, the spirit of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now, that, that word spirit of despair, I mean, despair as an emotion leaves you feeling like you have no strength. Um, and other versions of this call it a spirit of fainting. Um, so it's that sense of, I, I got nothing. And in those places where you feel like you got nothing, he wants to give you a different garment. He wants to put a garment of praise on you. And, and you know, when we're praising, it's re- like when you're really praising, it's not a sit still motif. <laughs> you with me there? <laughs> okay. 
praising is a very active motif. So he takes you from like, I can't move. I can't get off the couch. I have no strength in me to walking and leaping and praising God, to use the motive from the early chapters of Acts when um, when the crippled beggar gets healed. I'll read that and go, Peter heals the crippled beggar. I'm like, that's really insulting calling him a crippled beggar. But literally he was crippled and he was begging. There's a lot of strange stuff that goes on inside my head. So... Now, here is the result. Here is the result. As a result of what the ministry of Jesus does in all of these areas, verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been ruined for generations. In other words, you might be dealing with brokenness in your life that, are, that are, you can look back one, two, three, four generations ago, and my mother had it, my father had it, my grandfather had it, their grandparents had it. It's there for generations. And the result of the ministry of Jesus applied to your life is generational brokenness gets healed so that it stops with you and everything that goes forward from there is blessing. Danny Silk talks about this. You know, he is the guy that, um, that has written more marriage courses and counseled and healed more marriages than just about anybody I know. And immediately behind Danny and his wife, Sherry, are 11 divorces in the generation immediately before them. 11 divorces. In other words, both of their parents have had multiple marriages. They grew up with multiple fathers and that, that, that was their inheritance. That was, that was the truckload of momentum that backed itself up into their life and dumped it in their lap. And then Jesus comes in and does those few verses in their life. And all of a sudden, generations of brokenness is healed. And now he's using them to heal, to restore, and to build marriages that are, that are, that are founded upon the rock. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. That's a little different to the poor that we talked about right in the beginning. In other words, he will work in your life to build such a prosperity that you're not the one shepherding, doing the stuff for everyone else. Now, actually, when you're poor, shepherding someone else's flocks, at least it's a job (laughs) that may provide for you and put food on the table for you and your family. But what he's saying is, no, you're going to be like the employer. He will turn your poverty around. He will do such an inner work that will create an outward prosperity, such that strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. That's a big turnaround. That's what he does. That's meant to be normal. Verse 7, and I'll bring this into land. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. You know, I, I have ministered to, talked to, worked with so many people that look at, and whether that's in church or even in my corporate coaching land, one of the clients I'm working with at the moment helped to work through this shame around a relationship with one of her parents because anytime that subject came up anywhere in her life there was this I have to hide it there was this there was this shame and as we just worked through that we did some forgiveness all of a sudden 
there's been a massive transformation around that for her. Instead of your shame, instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. See, she's now able to look at the brokenness from this parent and kind of go, okay, I can put in some healthy boundaries there, but here's the good stuff I got from them. Here's the good stuff that's coming. In other words, there's a rejoicing in the inheritance, not stuck in the disgrace and shame. That's what he wants to do. And you will inherit a double portion in your land. Everlasting joy will be yours. How do you know that the kingdom has shown up in an area of your life? I want to suggest one of the primary markers is this thing called joy. We can throw peace in there as well. Because the kingdom, Romans 14, the kingdom is righteousness, which is our standing with God out of which we live. We don't perform for it. We live out of it. It's a done deal because of the cross. Righteousness is our standing. And then the evidence of that standing, the evidence of the kingdom being manifest in our world is peace and joy. So last week, we talked about the strongholds and painting a target on those. Any area where we're feeling shame, where we're feeling disgrace, any area in our life where we are not experiencing peace and joy, I want to suggest to you this year, the ministry of Jesus is coming after you. And he's coming after you for your sake. And even if there was no one else on the planet, he'd do it for you. That's how much he loves you. That's that's his nature. He, He would do that. But the gospel is even better news than that. Because as he does it in you, what he does in you is also going to flow through you and is going to shift others as well. Yeah. You know, how are we going to touch our region? By letting him touch us and then just let him do his thing. Yeah. So two things. I wanted to remind us again of the heart right at the beginning of another year as we look at where are we going, what are we doing. I wanted to remind us of, of our thumbprint of the blueprint that God gave to us. And if you haven't heard the story of how some of that happened, um, you're very welcome to come and cook us a large meal or buy us some coffee and we'll tell you. Is that a little bit bribing? But hey, let's see what we get. Anyway. um, (laughs) So there's that. I want to remind us of the thumbprint of God that is on us as a house is everything that you read there in Isaiah 61. That's, that, that is the thumbprint of God on us. Others have other verses. That's us. That's what we're going after. But also to just reiterate what I said last week and remind us any area in your life or my life that isn't experiencing peace and joy, where we're not experiencing freedom, where we're not experiencing the presence of God, he's coming after. He's coming after. So why don't we stand, let's pray into that, and then we will be formally and officially done. So just take a moment, pop your hands out or do something to get into kind of engagement mode. And I just want you for about 30 seconds, just have your own dialogue with Jesus. And if this is your heart, like I'm not telling you what you have to do, I'm just saying if this is your heart, here's what I recommend, is just say, Jesus, those areas that I'm not experiencing peace and joy, and you know what they are, you talk to him about it and saying, I'm inviting you, come get them, come work in me.
come and bring your healing power. And just submit and surrender those areas and give him permission. Just take about 30 seconds to do that right now. So, Father, we just align ourselves with the blueprint of heaven that you have placed on us as a house. We align ourselves with your healing power and any area of brokenness in us, we welcome your healing power. We just say yes. We say yes to shame dropping off. We say yes to disgrace falling off. We say yes to to generational cycles of brokenness ending with us. We say yes to our kids rejoicing in the inheritance they get from us because of what you have done in us. We say yes to you creating such a a prosperity of soul inside of us that others will come to feed off the overflow of what you have done in us. We say yes to rivers of healing flowing to us, through us, and out into our region. That we would be an epicenter of wholeness and an epicenter of rabid joy. (laughs) Rabid, unrestrained joy. I was making dinner the other night and just as clear as anything, God just said to me, I am making my oaks of righteousness. So I just want to declare over you that you are an oak of righteousness. And I pray blessing in Jesus' name over your heart, over your mind, over your will, over your emotions, over your body. And I thank you, God, that we are sons and daughters of yours and that as we just turn our hearts to you, that you will grow us into powerful oaks of righteousness. In Jesus' name. And the result of those oaks is you are a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. If you want to display his splendor, let him work in you to become that oak. And his splendor will be displayed through you. Anyone up for that? Just say something affirmative. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Amen. Amen.